just a privilege and honor and a great responsibility to be before you today. And uh, we have two responsibilities. One is mine, uh, to speak only the truth of God's word and the way that God has revealed it to me. But also, you have a responsibility, and it was just sung in that song, and that is to open your heart up to it. Um, if one of us lets that down, the word, of the word of God does not get translated, and uh, it, uh, it, the promise is that it will not return void, but um, we have to remember that that's both the word falls on the weeds as well as the good fruit. And so today, an open heart of yours shows that you're a good fruit waiting to receive God's word. And so let God speak to you. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, we believe in opening up the Word of God so that you can follow along and look at it. Um, Bereans did that, and they did it uh, because they wanted to make sure that Paul was saying the truth. And so be a good Berean. Follow along with his Word. We're going to be going to Romans 3. Romans 3. In the New Testament... About in the middle of the New Testament, and so it uh, comes after the book of Acts and before the book of uh, Corinthians. And so Romans 3, we're going to be looking, we're going to be reading from the first eight verses, but in the midst of my study, it became very apparent that we're only going to be focusing on the first two. And uh, tried not to, I pushed it, but he couldn't let me get me past the first two. And, uh, and so I hope that uh, you're okay with that. Um, I am okay with letting him lead. So are you with me? Romans 3, you there? Got your Bibles open? Mike, you got, you got it on the phone? You the man. Good job. We believe in the phones too here, so look at it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is true. It's truer than the speaker that is speaking. And so, Lord, we just surrender ourselves to your word today. You can say whatever you want to say to us. In fact, I know that a good sermon uh, is, not, is not necessarily spoken by the very words that come out of the speaker, but is spoken by what the Spirit says to the heart. And so, Lord, I pray and give you absolute freedom in this room to speak to the hearts of all of us, and that, Father, we will follow you no matter what the cost, or, Father... Many of us, all of us, know what it is like to follow our own, our own ideologies and our own visions and our own ways and our own religions. For even in the Christian world, we have built, in some instances, our own religions within even the context of that phrase. And so, Lord, let us be free of all that and let us be led by your word and by your truth. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Romans 3, the first eight verses says this, What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true, and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust and bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim we say, let us do evil, that good may result. Their condemnation is just. Thus ends God's Reading of God's word, his reading of our reading of God's word. And so, yeah, I just, I'm, I just want to focus today on what advantage then is there being a Jew? And I think there's nothing wrong with you saying, okay, well, what advantage is there being a Christian? 
Or what value is there in circumcision? Or what value is there in baptism? Much in every way, first of all, the Jew has been, or the Christian has been, we have been entrusted with the very word of God. The very word of God. So many, so many don't see that today. So in chapter 2, Paul came against the religious judgment of the Jews. God's chosen people, right? And he mirrors it against the true judgment of God. He doesn't say all judgment is wrong, but true judgment must reflect the God of our heart and always be for restoration and not retaliation. And then, it, and then he strips away all the false security of trusting in religious action. I'm better than you because look at what I'm doing. And the ceremony that in their day was separating people instead of drawing people together versus, versus religious action and ceremony versus the transformed heart a changed heart, and that's what Paul's point, that's where he's moving us to, is it isn't about what you do on the outside, it's about what's going on on the inside. So in a few short verses in this, in this passage, Paul, moved by the Holy Spirit, totally undermines the entire man-made Jewish religion. Someone might say to themselves, well, how could he do that? How could he do that so thoroughly? is because at one time Paul himself was under the same. He was living under that, that judgmental false religion. He was, in fact, not only living under it, he was soaring to the top of it. He was heads above his contemporaries. And he was one who persecuted anyone who was following Jesus Christ. It's said about him in Acts 22, or he said it about himself, in fact, in front of the king. He said this, I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison. And then further reflection about his taking comfort in his fleshly actions as a believer, he said this in Philippians 3, 5 through 6. He said, listen, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people, a Pharisee, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless, faultless. Paul knew that false religion is always based on the exterior acts of the flesh, not of the heart. So it gets interesting as he gets into this third chapter. He begins to um, he begins an ancient method of teaching called a diatribe. It is an ancient literary form that teachers would use uh, to move their student, students into thinking critically through tough truths. It is presenting the critic's objections and then working through an answer to the objection. Now, commentators have two, um, um, two answers for the reason why Paul came up with this method. First of all, he actually had objectors in front of him that were talking to him and saying, saying these questions. Like the first one that we're going to talk about today is, what advantage is there? What advantage? Or he himself lived out those objections in his own pre-Christian pharisaical life. He actually had these arguments within his own being that he um, was going against the way. Professor James Dunn, a British theologian, says, Paul, the unconverted Pharisee, expresses attitudes Paul remembered so well as having been his own. And so as we work through this passage, we're going to look at the first of these objections. The first is the attack against God's people. Paul, 
What has been your experience with God's people? Has it been a good experience? Have you experienced being in the midst of God's people and, 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 and being encouraged and being, um, uh, being, you know, just called to move on and, and to keep growing and to just, has that, that been your experience? Or is there another experience? Is there an experience of critical judgmentalism? Looking down on. I'm, I'm seeing some very pointed expressions of understanding. And it was the Holy Spirit that asked me to ask that question. I don't have that in my notes. But I think it's important for that question to be asked. For two reasons. First of all, for us who claim to be Christians, we have to ask ourselves, what advantage... Is it to be a Christian? And how has that advantage moved my heart into living out the faith that we so claim? Because the Jews didn't. They were God's chosen people. They were called to be a light to the world. And yet they lived for themselves. They said, look at how God has blessed us. Look at how much money we have. Look at how many riches. Look at all the success we've had in our life. Look at all this stuff and look at how good I am. And that works out in so many weird and strange ways that sometimes it almost even escapes the people that are living it out. But there's another reason. And that's for those of us in this room today that have not yet received Jesus Christ. And one of the reasons we have not received Jesus Christ is because we've looked at these people who call themselves Christians and we've said, I never want to be like that. As the person that God has placed you in, in front of today, as lovingly as I can, please hear my heart. This is a warning. Do not let people lead you to whether you believe in Christ or not. Please. It is the most important decision of your life. And if the Holy Spirit has been talking to you, do not push him down. Like the Jews, we have based a lot of our Christianity on knowledge and on intellectualism. And that, unfortunately, brings superiority. Now, that, I'm not saying we should not gain our knowledge in the Lord. Don't hear that from me. But if knowledge and intellectualism becomes the main thing, understand that there are people that are going to say, I could never do what they're doing. I don't know what they know. I could never be like them because they seem to know a lot. It does not matter to you how much I know or how much I don't know. What should matter to you is, do you see Jesus in my heart? Because he's the true knowledge. And so, and so as, as the Jews say to Paul, you're attacking the people. You're attacking God's people. We're his chosen people. And yet your gospel, the gospel we have to remember, listen, from verse one, this is, this is where they're coming from. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last has nothing to do with Wayne, has nothing to do with Mary, has nothing to do with, with Jill, has nothing to do with any of us. From first to last, the reason we're right for, for God, or right in God's eyes, is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing I do, nothing I say. And that they were angry at Paul. 
They're saying you're stripping away everything. Because don't you remember, Paul? Don't you remember what God said in Deuteronomy 14.2? For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possessions. Psalm 135.4 says, For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own. Israel is to be his treasured possession. These and many more Old Testament verses were the foundation of what built the Jewish belief that, that not only were they God's chosen people, but because they were God's chosen people, that made them special. That made them saved. That made them and they could go on and do whatever they want to do because we're, and, and, and that's where judgmentalism comes on. That's where the separation comes on. If you're truly saved, your life is a base before the one who did it for you. You are absolutely just, he did it all. There is nothing I have brought to the table, nothing that I have brought to this. And so the gospel of Paul totally disarms the Jewish belief that they were, because the chosen people meant that they were saved, meant that they were, meant that they had it all together and they could live any way they want and doesn't matter. Where has that got them today? Far from God. Far from God. Where has it got the church today? Far from God. It has. It has. And it's time for change. And so, and so what advantage? I'm going to say something to you now. I want you to hear me. Can a person be chosen by God, but not called or elected by God? Can a person be chosen by God but not called or elected by God? You see, what Paul is beginning to, to, to introduce is, is, a, is an idea, something by the Holy Spirit that says, listen to me, not all Israelites are Israel. Now this is, this is something that we don't talk about a lot but I want you to think about it critically with me. Just like, now I'm not going to go there. Let me just, so, so he's, he's beginning to introduce this. Um, the passage we read and many more reflect the reality that God has specifically chosen the Jewish people to be his people. But we know, we know from their history, we know that from their history that many of them rebelled against God and sinned and their bodies laid in a desert and their bodies were destroyed by Babylon and their bodies, I, I, I spent some, God woke me up at five this morning and I spent some time looking at the Jewish history <laughs> you want to be God's chosen people? <laughs> I mean, you know, we talk about that as though it's, and it is a great privilege, but you also got to realize it's a great responsibility. And, and, listen to me, it is, it is diametrically opposed against the world, so that means you become an... So their history is 400 years of slavery in Egypt, 40 years wandering in the desert because of their rebellion against God. And a whole generation died in the desert. Ten tribes in the division, in the separation of, of them, ten tribes were assimilated into Assyria and, um, and there may be a few left, but very, very few from those ten tribes. Two tribes were taken uh, captive to Babylon for 70 years. Not long after they rebuilt Jerusalem, after they came back from Babylon, they, um, um, uh, if you remember, Greece came and, and took them captive. They'd rebelled against God again. Greece came in and took them captive. 
And if you, mem- if you remember um, Antichus, uh, um, Epiphanes, he corrupted their temple worship and proclaimed himself as God killing their priests. Roman rule, over 10,000 Jews rebelled pu- uh, publicly and were crucified. Herod, remember, killed the Jewish babies looking for the Messiah. In 70 AD, Caesar's ordered to destroy Jerusalem and its temple. Josephus, uh, the, the historian, said that millions of Jews were killed during that time. Millions of Jews were killed during that time. And many were brought into slavery. And if you remember, I don't know if anybody watched the movie Gladiator, but it was kind of, kind of talking about that era where there were thousands of Jews died in the Gladiator's games. It's always amazing that in culture, they, they do bring up the truth once in a while in their own way, but they do. In 15 AD, Jewish uprising against Rome, 985 towns in Palestine were destroyed and at least 600,000 Jewish men were killed. In 380 AD, Emperor um, Theodos I formulated a legal code that declared the Jews to be an inferior race. And that went through Europe. That went through Europe. In 1096, the first crusade to recapture the Holy Land from the Ottoman Turks, the Muslims, the crusaders slaughtered thousands of Jews, and it's still a mark on Christianity today. In 1254, King Louis IX banished all Jews from France. In 1492, Jews were expelled from Spain, even during Columbus's first voyage. In 1496, Jews were expelled from Portugal. Most of the Western Europe was closed to the Jewish people, and there is still today a growing anti-Semitism that emerges. 1940, of course, we know that the Nazi Holocaust. So you're sitting here today, and, uh, and you're thinking, I want to be part of God's chosen people. That's a great question. I want to bring this kind of to home a little bit, at least in respect to a thought. You know, I said the phrase, can a person be chosen by God but not called or elected? You see, God chose the Jewish people, but he elects individuals. Some people say this is a Christian nation, and I do believe that God called America out of, out of, into existence. I, I do believe that. But a nation isn't Christian. The heart of a human being is Christian. And it's changed by one reality, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in that heart. Period. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Period. And so, this, this is the thought that I think God brought to my mind, and that is this. I was, un, I was born in an unbelieving family. And I, my single mom could not take care of me, and so she gave me up for adoption. I came into a family of faith who took me to church. In that adoption process, I was chosen to be physically a part of the family of God. But it wasn't until, through the gift of faith, given by God's Spirit, that I received salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, serve a covenantal God. I agree with that. But the Jews relied on that more than a personal, a personal change, a personal fa- falling before God in, in, um, in surrender to him. An absolute saying, God, you've done it all. Here's my life. MacArthur said this, but as Paul pointed out, being physical descendants of Abraham did not qualify them as spiritual descendants. The people of, of Israel were chosen by God through Abraham, but they did not, did not make them a spiritual elected descendant. Now, there's something happening in our culture today that is so reflective of this. And it's this. Have anybody heard of the Abrahamic covenant? 
in that they're actually in Dubai, they're actually building uh, a mosque, a synagogue, and a, uh, a church, Catholic church. In fact, in fact uh, the Catholic Pope, Francis, signed the, uh, what is called, I wrote it down, uh, signed a human um, fraternity document that for the focus of peace and unity, because we all share Abraham as our father, that makes us be able to have unity with each other. Now, who, now I'm, I'm not going to get in that argument. I'm not, argument, but I'm not going to get off on that. See, you have to understand something. You're here today and you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to understand something. Peace will never come through physical security. Only peace will come through spiritual security. You will wrestle with peace for the rest of your life without the creator and the God of peace. You will. It'll never happen. Jewish people had found security in the physical and totally missed the spiritual change in their hearts. Do you remember when Jesus told the story about, um, about the wedding feast in Matthew 22? It was a picture of the reality that the Messiah had come and that there was an invite to his chosen people to come to the wedding feast. The first wedding feast was the Messiah right in front of their faces. Right there. The one who's telling them the parable. I'm he. What did they do? They refused to come. And so what do you say? What do you say? Is anybody in this room really glad that he said that? Because guess who the other people are? Guess who the guests are? It's the church. It's the Gentile church. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I just, I, I'm hoping that you're with me on this because it's, it's amazing. And so, and so that is, yeah, and so Jesus was pointing to that. This brings um, to, to mind something that Peter said that I, just, I want you guys to hear. He said this in, in 2 Peter 1, 10. He said, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, what, what things is he talking about? I want to know what things he's talking about because, you know, if, if, it's, if it's preaching, I'm doing that right now. So I'm making my election and my calling secure by doing this. It's not. Maybe if I do Sunday school or if I do pray, worship singing up front, I'm making it secure. It's not. It's not. What is it? What is it that makes it? Now listen to me, people of God, because this is the thing we're failing in the most. I want, you to th- I want you to hear the list. Here are the things. Make every effort to add to faith, goodness. To goodness, knowledge. Not against knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control, because that's where knowledge leads. That's where knowledge leads. And to self-control, perseverance. Never given up. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. Huh. That means you got to love me even though you don't like me. Sorry. Jesus said to mutual affection, love. Jesus said, this is how you will know that you're my disciples as you have love one for another. As I have loved you, so love each other. Those are the things. And if you're not growing in that, you're not making your calling and your election sure. That ought to drive you to your knees. If you're still a bitter person, if you're still, if you're still somebody that just is judgmental, looking down on people, you should, you should be driven to your knees by those verses. Now this is the cool thing. I got kind of excited when I thought about this. Like, oh. You're in this building listening today for the first time. You're in this building. You know what that means? You're chosen by God. You're chosen by God. You're chosen. You aren't here because you're so smart to be here. You're here because the Holy Spirit 
chose to wake you up this morning and say, you know what you need? You need Jesus. Nah, yeah, church, yes. But, but somebody said church, yes. But you need Jesus. And so he woke up and he said, come. And you all have your own story. <laughs> I, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> but he has drawn you, and, and we're going to get into this because this is the second part of the verse, but he has drawn you to hear his word. And that's an amazing advantage. An amazing advantage. And so, but the question is, no, the question you have to ask yourself, what advantage is this? What advantage is this? What advantage is this for me? Because even though you may be chosen to be here today worship, the question is, are you elected? And you know how you answer that question? By surrendering. By surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. By just saying, I see it. I see who you are. And I get on my knees before you. I see the decisions I've made. And they have been decisions of destruction. Just like the Jewish people. And I now say, you are my God. You are my God. So, Ryan asked us the question in the song, will you open up your heart to his word? This word is the very truth of, of God's word from his heart. In fact, the, the word is the very value that the Jews and you and I were entrusted with. It is what brings the advantage to the table. The word does three things. Four things. First of all, it reveals who God is. Who he really is. He doesn't sit on a table in, 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 plastered in anything. He doesn't, he doesn't sit even in a cross. He is here, present, alive with us in this place. He is the ruler of all things. He's the creator of all things. He's the reason you're even breathing and have a heartbeat today. He is everything. That's what the word reveals. But listen to me. The word also reveals your past. Reveals your past to you. As you see those Jewish people sinning against God, do you see yourself sinning against God? It reveals also that he's present here with us right now because you wouldn't be here if he wasn't. And then, and it, 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 listen to me. Why is that a big deal? Because you know what? There's another ruler. He's called the prince of the air. He is the ruler over the kingdom of the physical world right now. And he doesn't want you here. That's a miracle. Is that even against all the force on this earth? You're here today. Not here in this place like I'm saying, oh, it's a good thing you're listening to my voice. No. But that you're drawn to worship God. Now, against all odds. Some of you have struggled this week with depression. Some of you have struggled with, with, with relational issues. Some of you have struggled in other areas of your life. And it's those things that say, you know what? Why don't I just give up and give in to my addiction and give in to taking my life? Suicide is on such a rise today, it's unreal. But the thing is, you're here. Chosen by God to be here, to hear his word. Because he loves you. Ryan asked us a question, will you open your heart? Will you? I don't care if I've heard this time and time again. This cannot get boring this is the most amazing thing I have ever known in my life. But it's also the foreteller of your life. So it, 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 it shows who he is. It, is. it shows your past. It shows you right now, right in this present. But it's also the foreteller of your life. Because he's the overcomer. And in Jesus Christ, he gives a picture of the fact that we'll be with him forever. That's amazing. That's amazing. 
But he's also a foreteller of the fact if you walk out of here and you continue to disobey him, that that is a sign of your destruction. Because how can you sit in the word of God, hearing from his voice the very words that he spoke and walk away and it not affect you at all? How can I do that? Much of the truth of our faith, our life of faith, is based on how we treat the word. Did you realize that the Jewish people were reckless with the word? Did you know that they lost the word for 57 years? And it wasn't until 1651 when King Josiah, high priest, eight years old, and then at 12 years old instructed um, his high priest, Hilkiah, to start digging through the ruins, and they found the word again. Listen to what his response is. Listen to the effect of an, by this time, he was an 18-year-old. Listen to what he said. He tore his robes and he said this, Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because of those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that was written in this book. And you know what happened? A revival broke out. Yes! But you know what? We don't treat that this way. We don't treat this word this way. They did, and it changed in that short time. But of course, we know it went right back again. Um, there, there was another time during Jesus' life that the tradition of man had become more important than the word of God. That preference, human preference, became more important than how God's word guides us. And, um, and so even though they had the word, because remember Jesus read it in the synagogue of Nazareth, Isaiah 61, they had the word. They chose to live um, in their own rules and preferences. Matthew 15, 3 said this, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And the third one, so it was they lost the word, they let the tr their traditions come over the word of God, and third of all, Biblical literacy. When's the last time you picked up the Bible? Is there even a first time that you picked up the Bible? They were so illiterate that the Sadducees approached Jesus about marriage. And did you hear his response to them? He said these words, Are you not in error because you don't know the Scriptures? or the power of God. Ah. Poet uh, William um, Crowper wrote these words. They and they only amongst all mankind receive the transcript of the eternal mind. We're, we're trusted with his own engraved laws and constituted guardians of his cause. Theirs were the prophets, there the priestly call, and theirs by birth the Savior of all. The very thing we possess right now in your hearing is the Word of God. What advantages then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. Much, much. As the Jewish people became careless with the word of God, I'm afraid that's exactly what's happened in our modern world. In a world of, of um, uh, information age, the word of God has been equated equally with other things and put on the same level. But John 1 tells us something completely different. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. People. Jesus and the Word is inseparable. You see Jesus, you, see, you hear the voice of God. You, see, you hear the Word, you see Jesus. So, what about us? What does the Bible say to us? First of all, the word of God belongs in you. 
1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart, you be in the temple, that I might not sin against you. The second thing that the scripture says to us is that the word is the power to say no to sin. No to sin. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Amen? Men, amen? Men, amen? Amen. We're experiencing that together as men. We're seeing that. Third, that the word is to be hungered after. Job 23.12 says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. And Matthew 5.6 said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, for they will be filled. What advantage is there in being a Christian? What advantage is there being a Jew? God opened my heart up to a verse in Deuteronomy I want to read to you as we draw this down. The whole book of Deuteronomy is a book of second chances. Some of you need to hear that today. It's about the fact that God was bringing the the Israelite people back up again to Canaan after they had rebelled against God. They'd walked through the desert for 40 years. Some of us have walked away from God for years. And, And so he... As, he, as Moses is leading them to, he reminds them of all things that they did. He reminds them of the faithfulness of God. And that really is topic of what we want to, uh, what we've wanted to talk about is we've talked about what advantage of there is there of the Jew. But then, um, uh, but then he, um, he comes and he, um, at the end of Deuteronomy, he predicts, listen to this. He predicts Israel's rebellion. He predicts their rebellion. It says, it says, then the Lord appeared. I'll start 14. The Lord said to Moses, now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in a a pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, you are going to rest with your ancestors. What does that mean? You're going to die. Okay, you're going to die. need to know that. And these people listen to this, will soon prostitute themselves to a foreign god of the land they are entering. I read that this morning, and I said, what's the point? What's the point? Do you ever get to that place where you see, you look in the mirror, and you go, you know, there I did it again. What's the point? There I went off again. Raise your hand if you've sinned recently. No, I mean, yeah. But it's just, but just what's the point? If you're just going to continue to keep falling, what's the point? So God asked Moses to write a song. I'm not going to read the whole song to you today. Um, It's... Yeah, it's, it's four, five pages, six pages long. But I want you just to listen to the first part of it. And I, it it's, it's found in Deuteronomy 32. I'd, I'd suggest you read it. This is the point. This is the point. Listen, you heavens. 
I will speak. Hear you, earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teachings fall like rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, his work, his works are perfect and all his upright and a faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. That's the point. Our God is faithful when you're not. That's why Ryan and I hit you from two sides with the same verse. Because our God is faithful in the midst of whatever you're going through, in the midst of the destruction. Our God is faithful. That's what faith is about. It's, it's the fact that he's the anchor that we're holding on to when everything seems to be falling apart. When he tears apart all your false religious structure, when he tears apart the fact that you've been judgmental to other people when he tears you apart and you feel like you have nothing to hold on to he is the faithful one and he will not reject his own he will not reject his heart and if Jesus Christ lives in you today God is faithful to his son he's faithful to his son trust in that don't let the evil one say, look at all your exterior, all your physical stuff is just falling to pieces. Stop it. It doesn't matter. What matters is what's in here. What advantage is this? You're in his very word today. He loved you so much he brought you. He loved you so much that he drew your heart to hear his voice. And he wants you and him to commune. That's the advantage. Because you know what? Not all Christians are Christian. And you testified to that to me at the beginning of this message. Why is that? Well, for some instances, they never were. Christianity is looked as a good person. I'm a good person. I mean, I, I treat Teresa with respect. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good person, so I must be a Christian. No. No. Another reason is because, because we, have, we, we don't know about repentance. We don't understand that repentance is a lifestyle. We don't understand that, that as we repent as people, that that is where we grow. When we obey God and we get down before him and we say, I see my sin even as a believer, but I am, I'm confessing them to you. Not because, no, listen, confession is not the fact that you have to be saved again. Confession is just agreeing that God is right and I'm wrong. And I stay in the rightness of God, not in my own security. And so, and so that's why 1 John 1 is so important to the Christian life because he says that if, that, that if you don't confess your sins, if you say you have no sin, you prove God to be out a liar. We're going to get to the liar thing next week. We're not going to do it this week. But people of God, I, I just, I, 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 if we embrace this, I'm serious. I mean, you're sitting, some of you are sitting here and, and you didn't come because you came as a Christian. You came here uh, because God called you to, you were chosen, but you're, you're sitting here saying, okay, I'm amongst these people that call themselves Christians. I don't know what this is all about. Keep, keep your eyes off of us. Keep your eyes off of me because I'm the chief of sinners in this room. But let your eyes go to Jesus Christ right now. And ask yourself this question. Is his spirit speaking to my heart about wanting a relationship with me? Do not base that decision on all kinds of nice people. You base the decision on the fact that you see Jesus Christ and you see him clearly. Then just give it up. Because I found fighting him does not work at all. So what advantage? What advantage? The word of God before you because he loves you. Burned, lost, tried to get rid of, 
all through the ages, but it's still here because he's faithful. Let us be people like that. Amen. You are loved. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful uh, for your word that's true. And I know for me this week, it was hard sitting under it. Because I had to take a long look at Wayne. But your word is so true. And you love us. And there is a great advantage. We sit in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We sit in your very presence because of your great love for us. We sit here because your spirit drew us. I don't even know how to deal with that, God. Because I'm before you, I'm nothing. I'm a vapor, flesh and blood that someday will be in the ground and gone from this world. And yet you chose to love us. God, you so loved us that you gave your one and only son that whosoever believes in you will not perish but have eternal life. Lord, I pray that this word however it spoke to anybody in this room, that their heart receive it and that they be encouraged to stand up in this week because the great advantage is that not only does the word hear, but the word in our hearts received goes with us wherever we go. Onto our jobs, as we drive our cars, as we sit in front of our computers, as we are on our phones, as we're in this world, your word is with us, for your son lives in our hearts. Father, let our lives reflect that to others. Forgive us when we have not. And Father, may we not be like the Jews who depended on their, on their traditions and on their ceremonies of the physical, but let us depend on your word that lives within us. We love you and we trust you. You are God. In the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said.